The text I've chosen for this afternoon, the sermon this afternoon is from Hebrews chapter 4, the verses 14 to 16 of Hebrews 4. And there we read the word of God as follows. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So far, the text. Brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ, boys and girls who belong to the Lord, we heard this morning that the disciples watched Jesus ascended, ascending into heaven and with his hands raised in blessing then. In Acts 1, it says that as he went up, a cloud took him out of the sight of the disciples. They couldn't see him anymore. Where did he go? And what is he doing now? Well, that's what the letter to the Hebrews is all about. This letter shows what the disciples could not see at Christ's ascension. Here we're allowed to look, as it were, look up beyond that cloud that took Jesus out of the sight of his disciples, and we're allowed to look into heaven where he is, what he's doing. And it's good for us to look up today, especially when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, because in the form for the Lord's celebration of the Lord's Supper, we're going to be exhorted not only to cling, we're going to be exhorted not to cling to the outward symbols of bread and wine, but to lift our hearts to Jesus, our advocate at the Father's right hand. In other words, look up to our ascended Savior in heaven. And so I preach to you the text with this theme, lift up your hearts on high in heaven where Christ our high priest is. Lift up your hearts on high in heaven where Christ our high priest is. Our text begins with the words, seeing then that we have a great high priest. With those words, the writer of the letter to the Hebrews, whoever that may be, we don't know, but ultimately the Holy Spirit, harks back to what he wrote before in chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. 
consider him. And that we could think of that uh, considering also means looking up to him, lifting your heart up to him, to our apostle and high priest Jesus Christ. And in our text, the writer of this letter then works out what you see with the eyes of your heart when you do lift up your hearts to heaven. And the first words of our text in the Greek are actually, we have a great high priest. We have one. It's not uh, up to question. We have a high priest in heaven. He's even called a great high priest here in the text. There have been other high priests in the Old Testament times. Many of them weren't very great at all. Some of them were downright corrupt. And we have to think in of Eli in the Old Testament, Caiaphas in the New Testament. They had the title of high priest, but they abused their positions and they got involved in corrupt stuff. But Jesus is here in the text called the great high priest. Great means mighty, the mightiest of all. Holy. Jesus was a great high priest because he was a perfect one, the one who did mighty things, the high priest who fulfilled the work of all other high priests. And you can see his greatness in the fact that he is, as the text, that he, as the text says, passed through the heavens. He passed through the heavens. That's a bit of a strange expression if you think about it. It refers to his ascension, and you'd think it would have said that he went up into heaven. But that's not what the text says. It says that he passed through the heavens, plural. Now, you read that plural heavens more often in the Bible. God created the heavens and the earth, and the apostle Paul writes about being lifted up to the third heaven. There are different heavens or layers of heaven. The idea apparently is that the atmosphere around the earth is then the first heaven, and then you have the universe where the stars and the planets are, and that's the second heaven. And then there's the heaven beyond the universe, the place where God dwells in perfect glory. The third heaven. Well, Jesus passed through that first and then the second heaven, and then to the highest heaven, where God lives. And when you hear how the high priest Jesus passed through the heavens, you can't help but think of the Old Testament high priest who passed through the different parts of the temple to get to the Holy of Holies. He passed through the various courts and rooms of the temple in Jerusalem in order to get to that Holy of Holies where God dwelt among his people above the ark, the mercy seat. And the high priest was the only one allowed to enter that Holy of Holies. It was a very special privilege for him once a year, allowed to pass through those other chambers 
into the Holy of Holies on behalf of the people and stand there before the ark where God was enthroned above the mercy seat. Think of that when the text says that Jesus, the Son of God, has passed through the heavens, our high priest. Like the Old Testament high priest horizontally passed through the inner court in the holy place and into the holy of holies where God dwelt, so Jesus vertically went through the first and the second heaven and entered the holy of holies in heaven, in the highest heaven, where God is enthroned above the cherubim. There's a big difference, though. The difference is that Jesus didn't have to come out again when he passed through all these things and to the Holy of Holies. He didn't have to come back out again. The Old Testament high priest had to come back out. Once a year, the high priest was allowed into the Holy of Holies in God's presence with the blood of atonement for the sins of the people. But then he quickly had to leave again, get out. Jesus passed through and remains in the Holy of Holies in heaven. He remains there because he went there with his own blood, which has atoned for the sins of all his people once and for all. And so we're told here, in other words, that he's there today in that Holy of Holies. At the Lord's Supper celebration, we're told to lift our hearts on high where Christ, our advocate, our high priest is at God's right hand. And, and our text, as it were, gives us a, a peek behind that cloud that took Jesus out of the sight of his disciples when he ascended there. And then we see a great high priest permanently in the Holy of Holies in heaven, permanently there for his people, working for his people. Jesus definitely arrived there in God's presence. We see his arrival in the text. Closer, and now he's closer to God's heart than anybody else could ever hope to be. There as high priest who sacrificed himself for his people once for all on the cross. He doesn't have to come out again, and so he prevents the wrath of God against our sins from coming over us in this world. Our high priest in heaven. Let's hold fast to that confession, it says in the text. It's even stated more strongly in the original language. It actually says, let us cling to that confession. Cling to it. Because that's our greatest stability and hope in this life on earth, which is so broken and beset with trouble. We have a, a great high priest who has gone through the heavens to God's throne, who remains there always for us. The Old Testament high priest could only appear before God on behalf of the people briefly, one day a year. This great high priest is with God always on our behalf. And he truly arrived there in heaven when he ascended from this earth, and he remains there for us to bless us from there, to intercede for us, to advocate for us there. And that's certainly a confession worth clinging to in this life here on this earth, this life with all its struggles on this earth so affected by our fall. What a wonderful thing to be able here, here in this life, 
to be able to take bread and wine then too, and to be able to lift your hearts on high to Jesus Christ, your advocate in heaven, who always speaks for you at God's throne, who is always at work for you there. So yes, we have a great high priest in heaven. Now you might think yet, if this high priest is so great and holy and exalted up there, why would he ever bother with me, small, poor, weak sinner that I am? How can I dare that I could, how could I dare to go to him? How could I dare think that he's concerned about me? If you look beyond that cloud that took him out of sight on Ascension Day and see him there in heaven at God's right hand, then his glory and greatness could almost scare you. Weak, struggling sinner, scare you to death. However, our text assures us there's no reason to be afraid or to doubt that he does pay attention to us in all our struggles in this life. Because notice that right after we're told that we have this great high priest passed through the heavens, there with God. We're also told in the text that he's not a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. His divine greatness as the Son of God is, and his human weaknesses as Jesus is, are placed side by side. This great high priest, our text wants to assure us, is not one who can't understand what we're dealing with here in our everyday life. He fully knows and understands our lives here on this earth. Fully. You can sometimes feel so ashamed before God, can't you? If you think about how much weakness and sin there is in your life yet, You disappoint yourself. How can I be like this? Why can't I be better? Why can't I grow? And then you can think too, how disappointed God must be with me too then. Holy God. How could I ever come before him? How can I, I even approach him and expect him to listen to me when I, I pray? Well, know then that you have a high priest in heaven who understands your weaknesses fully, who knows what it is to be tempted. Jesus knows what it is to be troubled and afraid, terrified. Think of him in Gethsemane, where his sweat was as great drops of blood. He knows about trial and temptation. He knows all about the attacks of the evil one, of the devil, just when you're most vulnerable. Remember, for example, how he was tempted in the wilderness. He was, he was most vulnerable there too, hungry. And in the desert, in the wilderness, and how intensely he, in particular, as Holy One of God, must have felt those attacks of the evil one. Congregation, Jesus understands us so well. He isn't only the exalted high priest in heaven, he's also fully man, 
tempted in every way as we are, who knows what it's like to live on this earth, to breathe in this, this, poisoned, this atmosphere poisoned by sin, this life so broken apart by sin. And isn't it wonderful? Isn't it wonderful if you've experienced something awful in life that you can talk to somebody who ex has experienced the same things as you have? Somebody who underwent the same experience, the same feelings, the same reactions as you. Then that other person understands you. Yeah, that's exactly how I experienced that too. Yeah, and I felt that too. Other people who haven't gone through the same things you have can't fully understand those things. But, but that person can understand. He knows. She knows. Well, the Lord Jesus, in the Lord Jesus, we have a high priest, an advocate, someone who speaks up for us, who fully and completely and totally understands us, who felt what we feel, tempted as we are, only difference is he didn't sin. On the one hand, he knows our weakness from inside out, while on the other hand, he is so strong, he never gave in to those weaknesses either. But that only intensified how he felt, <laughs> intensified his suffering. And because he never sinned, he could die for our sins and weaknesses. So brothers and sisters, boys and girls, if we look beyond that cloud of Jesus' ascension into heaven, into the heaven of heavens itself, then we see this great and glorious high priest at God's throne, who at the, full, at the same time is, is true man and fully empathizes with us in all our weaknesses. And th those two truths stand side by side. We're often inclined to choose one or the other, God's Son, mighty and exalted in heaven, or Jesus, a man like us. But the wonderful thing is that our high priest in heaven is both at the same time the great high priest who has been given incredible power and glory by God, who, because he has obtained the victory, rules over all things, is able to do more than we can think or even ask. But at the same time, also, our advocate who knows what's in our hearts, what we deal with in life, who has heart for us, who intercedes for us, Let's think of him like that when we lift our hearts on high today. I know it, it can be difficult to lift our hearts on high to look up to that high priest in heaven because our hearts are often so busy with the things and the worries of the day. We're so preoccupied with this life that it's hard to look up and hard to see him then. Things that we deal with here now can, can be like a cloud that takes the Lord Jesus from our sight. But the letter to the Hebrews and our celebration this afternoon want to open the way for us again so we can see. Move the cloud aside so we can see. Lift our hearts on high to where we have this great high priest, Jesus, the Son of God. And then we come to the last verse of the text, verse 16. 
And here we see that we're not only encouraged to cling to the confession of Jesus as high priest in heaven, but also come boldly to the throne of grace. Now a throne in the Bible congregation always represents the holiness. The holiness here of our great and awesome God. Righteousness and holiness. But here, the holiness and righteousness of our great and awesome God. But thanks to our high priest who sacrificed himself for sinners. Who went to that throne with his own blood. That throne is called the throne of grace. The throne throne of grace. And, And that means that believers then also can come boldly to that throne. Those who trust in Christ. They can come boldly, boldly. That doesn't mean insolently, presumptuously. It means going there with confidence, having the full right to approach that throne. You know, when, like, when somebody gives you a free pass to an NHL game, you know with confidence that with that pass in hand, you'll be allowed in to watch. And that's what approaching the throne of grace boldly means. You have the right to go there. And yet you don't have to be afraid you're going to be turned away. No, I, I have the right to be here. In the Old Testament, only one person, the high priest, was allowed to approach God's mercy seat in the temple once a year and then only with a bowl of sacrificial blood. And you can imagine when he went through those curtains, that bowl was shaking as he came into the presence of God. But because our eternal high priest Jesus Christ is there with his blood, which fully paid for all our sins, we have full and free access to that throne of grace in heaven through him. Because our Savior Jesus is there, our sins and weaknesses aren't going to prevent us from going to that throne. We can go freely to that throne. We can speak from the heart. We don't have to hold back anything. We don't have to hide anything. We don't have to think that our high priest Jesus won't understand. He knows what we're dealing with. Understands how He even understands how we end up falling into sin. Not because he sinned, but because he knows the, our weaknesses and the temptations we have to deal with here, as we mentioned before. The only requirement to approach that throne is a humble and repentant heart which seeks Christ and everything he has obtained for his people on the cross. Forgiveness, blessing, help in all the trials and temptations of this life. When we approach the throne of mercy, God's throne like that, then our high priest intercedes for us. He speaks up for us. Father, this is one of mine. This is one of mine, and my blood was for this one too. And he brings us to our Father. The Father presents us to to God, takes our cause to heart. So if we we look with our text beyond that cloud that took Jesus out of the sight of his disciples, then in faith we see this throne in the highest heaven, the throne of glory, 
And at the right hand of that throne, Jesus, Jesus working for us, as high priest interceding for us, speaking up for us, praying for us. And that means that we have a place to be fully relieved of all our sins. We can bring it there. And whenever we're tormented with temptations, we also have a place to go for help. The way is wide open for us to that throne. Our requests for forgiveness and help pass through all those layers of the heavens and go right into the Holy of Holies to God in all his glory, to the mercy seat where Christ is, and he hands it over to God. So let's lift up our hearts on high as the Lord's Supper is celebrated this afternoon then. Whether you partake or you watch, lift your hearts and high. And then as tempted and tried and stumbling believers, we'll find abundant mercy for our sins and the grace to help in our times of need. And not just for today, because that priest is there forever. Every day again, congregation, every day till our travels here are over. Amen.